Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Bud, we are here to do an official ACC conference win streak uh, podcast. Going to look back at the NC State game. Before we do all that, we'll thank our friends New Iberia, Louisiana, Louisiana Hot Sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product, something that I use daily, Bud, equally a fan of. And as always, we will thank them for being the title sponsor of the Nolcast and making all that we do possible. Indeed. All right, let's get into this here. We have a lot to cover tonight. Uh, we're going to start with a kind of statistical review of the NC State game, and then we're going to kind of break down the offense and defense, both what we learned in the NC State game, but also I think maybe uh, what is sustainable going forward and, and perhaps uh, what is not, both good and bad. So that's uh, let's. I'll just I'll run down these stats and kind of buzzsaw it. Edgar, if you want to stop me at any point here and, and discuss one of these, uh, let me know. Uh, some of these I think are pretty interesting. Okay. 14 drives apiece. We'd like to see it a little bit higher uh, from Florida State. 5.7 plays per drive allowed uh, for NC State. So, you know, not a uh, uh, not an egregious number. I think they got a, they did a little bit better in this game at getting off the field. Yards per play uh, was under the goal of five, so it was pretty solid. FSU 5.13 yards per play. Uh, pretty poor, actually. Not not a good showing by the offense in this game. That was, I mean, obviously. 31 points is not really indicative of uh, of how the offense played, and that's you know not really a good number of points per drive either. Uh, opportunities per drive, so that's scoring opportunities for NC State, obviously 0.36. Uh, that's uh, under the national average of 0.46. That's pretty solid. Uh, FSU only allowed 2.6 points per opportunity for NC State. Part of that was NC State's horrific ex- execution in the red zone, including uh, having your quarterback fall down. Right uh, by having his foot stepped on, FSU got a little bit lucky down there uh, through not really skill of its own. Sometimes uh, for, for NC State, they also had some some missed passes to open guys that were uh, they were just poor throws uh, by by the Wolfpack. Uh, one area in which FSU did not get lucky was turnovers. According to these numbers I have here, uh, FSU grabbed two turnovers off NC State. They actually should have grabbed over three, and I think you can probably argue they, they maybe should have had four. Um, so yeah, they, they probably should have had even more, more of a turnover margin in this game than they did. They didn't allow over a 50% success rate in any individual quarter. So that was pretty solid. I mean, granted 48% loud Q, uh, allowed in Q4 uh, by FSU is, is not really what you want, but FSU already had a pretty big lead in Q4. And, and I, I think they were trying to, they were trying to do a little bit different stuff there from an objective standpoint. Uh, so here's where some of this stuff gets a little more interesting, right? So rushing success rate, Florida State, 33%. That's pretty bad. Only one out of three FSU rushing plays were successful. NC State, 50%. So Florida State there did not do a good job of stopping the run in this game. Now you might say, oh, but Bud, NC State only had a 3.96 yards per carry average. And that, that's true. But that more relates to this. Florida State did a tremendous job at stopping explosive rushes for NC State, right? They didn't allow those 25, 35-yard runs, but they did not do a good job on a down-to-down basis of stopping the run. Um, so they were well, they, they held NC State to well under the national average as far as explosiveness goes on rushing plays. But on a down-to-down basis, uh, they were pretty inconsistent and did not do a good job of stopping it. Now, Passing success rate, Florida State 44%, so about national average. NC State, as you probably saw, their passing game is horrendous and uh, 37%. Neither team did a good job creating explosive pass plays in this game. 1.22 explosiveness rating for NC State, 1.35 for FSU, uh, both well under the national average of 1.5. Standard downs, both teams had decent success. Florida State 50%, NC State 45%. Now here's where this gets really interesting, right? And this is kind of one of my mantras here why Florida State needs to throw more on first down. Because when Florida State gets in passing downs with this offensive line, they are toast. 21, 21% success rate, dude, on passing downs. Florida State only had, they basically were successful on only one out of five passing downs in this game. 21%. Defensively, uh, they allowed NC State to convert at a 35% rate. On passing down, that's a little bit above national average, but but not that terrible. Uh, they did limit explosiveness pretty well there. Uh, but yeah, Florida State, 
they hit some explosive plays on passing downs on the offensively, and that is not sustainable relative to a 21% success rate there on passing downs. Ultimately, FSU deserved to win the game by multiple scores. Um, I think if you look at like a projected margin type thing based on these stats and how they play out, uh, a, a two-touchdown win is is probably reflective of a team playing like this at home. It was a good win over an opponent who I think you, you summed it up nicely. Uh, they're, they're not very good. And I think they're even worse than we thought they were uh, overall. They're, I'd be surprised if NC State finishes as, as a top-half team in the nation. Yeah, no, not uh, not good. Not good at all. I also uh, just got a, a chuckle. You talked about the turnovers there and expected turnovers, and I realized that Florida State did, uh, in fact, recover a fumble. But it just seems like somebody put some kind of bizarre attribute card on uh, on the other teams where – what is is the opposing punter dropped the ball three times only for it to bounce back into his hand uh on the first possession NC State's first possession the keeper actually drops the ball on a zone read only for the ball to hit the ground and bounce back up into the running back's arms kind of as he's going through the read they've just been some bizarre uh turn of events that have limited Florida State's uh, defense and special teams from getting the ball more frequently and then Saturday night, as you mentioned, there were probably two balls, maybe even three, you could argue, uh, that could have and a couple that probably should have been intercepted. So uh, defense is getting better. Some turnover luck that will probably begin, uh, at least hopefully, begin to bounce their way. And uh, a team that kind of as the stats went over, a team that's gotten better on defense. Uh, Not as effective against the run as we would like to see, but they've definitely shored up uh, just the easy stuff, you know, the 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 nine yard runs before anybody was even in the same frame as a guy. Uh, we're not just giving up 17, 18 yard chunks at a time, and the the defense is not where people want it to be. And we'll have to see how prolonged this is, but they've certainly made some significant steps forward in in becoming a competent defense. And uh, stats be damned, there was a level of physicality and really violence out there on Saturday night that I hadn't seen out of the Florida State defense in quite a while. Yeah, there's no doubt, right? Like, they're not always going in the right place, but they are playing with, with, with good physicality. I, I think you're you're dead on there, man. That was That is important to note. It, it was probably the most physical game you've seen out of this defense, like, over the course of the entire game in quite a while. I thought for a large part of the UVA game they were fairly physical, but they, they were really physical out there. Now, like, part of that is because NC State – did not get passes off in time and were were late on throws and inaccurate on throws, and that allows you to square somebody up and pop them. Uh, but I think there is a mentality there on this defense, uh, which as it gains some confidence, is definitely something that uh, that they're showing, um, and that was that was encouraging. So let's get to some observations here about the offense, both in this game and and overall going forward. I went back and I specifically watched what NC State was doing to Florida State there in the first, like, 20 minutes of the game. Because that was really uh, – Florida State struggled quite a bit here. In like the opening quarter, they weren't necessarily that bad on a down-to-down basis. But then the second quarter uh, overall was was really poor offensively. And a lot of that was just kind of that continuation of that drive that spanned the first and the second quarter. Um, NC State came out, and I talked to Alex Horner, Hornerbrook about this, and he usually gives kind of robotic answers. But he actually gave me a pretty good one on this. I said, hey, did they – did they show some stuff that you hadn't seen before? And he was like, well, not stuff that we haven't seen before, but stuff that they haven't run quite as much. And I do think it took Florida State a little bit of time to adjust to it. Now, specifically what they were doing, they were running that kind of 3-3 stack look that Tony Gibson, the co-defensive coordinator, likes to run. Uh, they were doing a lot a lot of slanting and, and a lot of shifting pre-snap that, that kind of screwed with Florida State's protections at times. Uh, and Florida State also really struggled with with the blitz. Now, NC State was blitzing a ton. They sent a lot of like seven man blitzes at, at FSU, and Hornerbrook really struggled against against the blitz there. He did not get the ball out quickly. In fact, it was a lot of the things that the people in the comment section of Tomahawk Nation tell me he's good at. He did not do well in this game. So that, that surprised me. But Kendall Browse, to his credit, did it took a series or two, but but he did end up adjusting. One of the ways that I thought he had a good adjustment was basically, 
okay, if NC State's going to be bringing these huge blitzes, they're probably also going to be playing a good amount of off coverage at times. And so let's go to more max protection. So on a lot of these completions, Florida State actually only had three men in the route, which means they had their five offensive linemen pass protecting as normal, but they also kept a back and a tight end uh, in the block as well. So they actually had, you know, seven-man protections uh, and three men in the route. And because NC State was blitzing so much, there was a lot of room underneath to, th to throw your slants and whatnot. And that, that's, that's where they found a lot of success there in the latter part of the second quarter and then also in the third quarter. Uh, Hornerbrook, to his credit, did throw those slants pretty well. There were some other passes in the game uh, that he did not throw very well. And then he also, at the very end of the second quarter, he threw a very nice uh, sort of tendency breaker off those slants with, with the slant and go to Ontario Wilson, who made made a, uh, made a nice catch on a ball that was a little bit underthrown, but not bad. And, and I, I don't want to dock Hornerbrook for that throw. I mean, he, he put it on him, and that was that was nice. So it was a good response from Florida State there. Now, going forward, can we learn anything from this? I, I think so. A, other teams are going to blitz Florida State probably after seeing how poorly FSU handled those blitzes. Florida State's offensive line is just its not good. Noting this, I wonder what happens when Florida State faces teams that can blitz but also have some DBs who are good. Because i got to say, NC State's DBs, they, they kind of suck, both in coverage but also in tackling and in hauling in passes, right? Like they should have picked off Hornerbrook, I think, twice on balls that he threw either right to him or, or pretty near him. Uh, and they, they didn't do it. What happens when you face a defense that can that, that is a big-time blitz defense but also has good cover guys like Florida or Clemson? To me, that does not bode well for this offense going forward facing some of those defenses, which is why in the preseason we talked about that. Now, there's also a chance those defenses don't like the blitz because they may just be able to smoke FSU's offensive line from a physical standpoint without bringing the extra pressure, and in which case you're dead in the water anyway. That's what we saw in almost all the games last year. This year, we're seeing that in, in a lot fewer games. Hashtag progress, I think. Uh, but that's probably a good transition, man, because right now the offensive line is showing itself to be it, – it, I, I tweeted this from the, uh, the Nolcast account, but, like, damn. How good is Kendall Browse to work an offense now that is rated 26th in the nation around an offensive line with these kind of ratings? Yeah, Clement and – Clements and Brawls are certainly certainly making miracles, definitely. And, you know, the offensive line just – it is what it is, for lack of better description. I mean, they are – there's just a whole lot of liabilities up there. And uh, I believe at this point, a you know, true freshman probably is your best piece. Um, we do a little bit of a strange rotation that I'll ask you about when we get – in my opinion, anyways, when we get to the offensive line in particular. But uh, uh, big fan of the uh, – Stuff rate, havoc rate stats, uh, to give you a better idea, 117th in the nation in uh, stuff rate allowed, 114th in havoc rate allowed. The offensive line is better, but they are still a, uh, it's a, <laughs> they're still a massive liability and, a, and a, a pretty nasty thing to look at in kind of the cold, uh, hard light of day. And, and you could drill it down like this, right? Like last year, they got their ass beat physically up front. But they also oftentimes didn't know what to do, and so dudes just rushed through completely untouched. This year, the the thing you can credit Clements with is that that happened. The, the latter part of that happens a lot less. What Clements cannot fix is the talent level, at least not in year one. And a lot of these dudes are not Florida State caliber players, and they're not ACC caliber players. I mean, to be blunt, right? Like they don't belong on an ACC roster, yet they're on Florida State's roster, and that creates a problem when you face guys and who are going to go to the NFL. Now, I will note this. Florida State last year, their offense was 125th in stuff rate allowed. So that is legitimately progress. And they were 122nd in havoc rate allowed. So that's, that is progress. Now, it's not a lot of progress. And you're about to get worse in those stats in about 10 days, right? Uh, but they are a little bit better about that. Now, here's one thing, too, that I think is important. They are significantly improved this year in opportunity rate, right? Which is like the opportunity rate that you make for your backs. Last year, they were 126th nationally in opportunity rate. This year, they're 71st. So if you want to pinpoint something, they are doing better. They're, they're run blocking in terms of like just not 
Like they still get beat physically, but they're doing a little bit better job with with their assignments there. And I think Browse is, is helping them, obviously. Like Clements is helping them with coaching, and I think Browse is doing a really nice job scheming around that. This offensive line, they, they got to find a way to keep his confidence up, even if that confidence is completely unjustified, um, because you, you're going to need this whole line in order to execute the plan that we laid out in preseason, which is beat the teams that you should be able to block. Now, I will note, we probably erred, I think, in assuming FSU could block NC State. That was one of the ones based on watching them against Ball State and West Virginia. And at Ball State and West Virginia might have better offensive lines than Florida State. Like, it's very possible. Um, I thought they could block NC State, and I was wrong about that. They, they really didn't. But I am pretty confident they can block Wake, and Boston College, and Alabama State. Now, can they block Miami? Probably not. Can they block Syracuse? I, I think on the interior, yes. At the tackle position, I, I, I'm not, not convinced. Syracuse's end, they're still very good. But this team can still win. Like, I, I think there's a really good shot this team makes a bowl. I, I would put the odds at, at, I mean, probably 80%, which is strong. And I asked on Twitter, hey, like, what are your three most likely records right now? And most people were, I think, six, seven, eight, as far as regular season wins in some order, which is very much in the range that we discussed preseason, right? We said, look, anywhere for this team with this schedule, kind of six to nine wins is is pretty appropriate. But yeah, the offensive line remains a huge, huge limiting factor. And for all the people out there, who emailed us and told us that we were crazy and the offensive line would make a massive turnaround and it was all coaching and there is talent in this offensive line. Last year's stuff rate allowed. 125th. This year, 117th. Last year's havoc rate allowed. 122nd. This year, 114th. Look, guys, the talent didn't change on the offensive line. They still get beat up physically a lot. They don't really get any movement. They're, they're not really Florida State caliber players. So that's, that's a limiting factor. Like that's that that's kind of the long term takeaway I have from this, right? You got exposed by a, by an NC State D line that's not good, and by by some blitzing too, which I think that's something you can you can help scheme around at at times. I'm also I oh man at this point I'm I'm all about let's throw the ball on first down more, right? Like I know I know Willie Taggart wants to establish Cam. But guess what? Florida State does not do – like when they try to establish Cam, it doesn't work. And it puts Florida State's offense in bad down and distance more often than not. They only, they're only they 93rd in the nation in rushing success rate. They don't even successfully rush 40% of the time. Less than 40% of their rushes are grading as successful. 93rd in the nation. Please throw the ball more on early downs. Those are the best downs to throw the football on. Don't you, like I love Cam Akers, but this does not set you up in good down and distance a lot of times on second and third down. Their passing success rate is not amazing. It's 66th in the nation, but it's not 93rd. 93rd is 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 tough. That's kind of where I am on this offense. Still gives you a good perspective as to just how good Cam Akers is and uh, how much how much crapola he has to uh has to deal with in order to even see a chance to the other side of the line of scrimmage oh every time he gets past the line of scrimmage it's it's, it's a miracle um and yeah like you do have some better defenses coming up for sure so far you were zero and two against the teams that we identified in the preseason you probably couldn't block what they need to do is pull a win against one of those teams that is still on the list. And we had Syracuse on there as one of the teams that couldn't block. But we discussed in the last episode, maybe we'll pull them off. I think after watching this NC State game, we're, we're not going to pull them off just yet. What do you think? Like, maybe let's let's kind of leave. <laughs> yeah, oddly enough, I found myself watching the Wake-Boston College game live, which when you consider the other games that were going on during that time slot is was a strange choice. Um Syracuse's outside play on the line of scrimmage is still pretty damn decent. I I don't know that we're taking them off that list uh, at all right now. That Wake BC game, that was weird, man. Like neither team could really run the ball that like that effectively. Of course, BC just smashes the ball into the line constantly, whether it's effective or not. You know, there BC made some really interesting red zone choices um, that cost them. But if you could get two and zero out of that. 
God, you got to be happy. Like it, honestly, if you can if you can get two out of the Syracuse Wake BC trio, you got to be feeling really good. I think. That means you're going to a bowl game, certainly. Yeah, just just what type of bowl game is uh is to be decided at that point. You know, if you need a home loan, you should dial eight four four FSU loans to reach resolution home loans. That's Shannon Young. He's the best mortgage guy in the business. I should know. I got my mortgage through him. So have almost 40 NOLCast listeners. It's on, it's on my to-do list tomorrow to email, or not to email out, excuse me, to mail out some more shirts and a nice little note, which by the way, kudos to you on your handwriting there on the, uh, the note you sent to the fine gentleman who got the tickets that we gave away uh, to our, our Patreon listeners. And uh, yeah, 844 FSU loan, Shannon Young, great customer service experience and awesome rates. He'll take care of you. All right, what happens when you have a child support or alimony obligation, but something significant changes in your life? Maybe your income has changed due to no fault of your own, or the other parent received a significant raise or inheritance. Perhaps your child is no longer in daycare, or one of them has finished high school and is no longer eligible for child support. It is important that you act in a timely manner, because the modification of support is typically only able to be made retroactive to the date you file an action with the court. You know who knows all this? Travis Johnson knows all this. Travis Johnson, attorney at law, one of only 280 board-certified family law attorneys in the state. That's less than 0.02% of all attorneys in the state of Florida. You can reach Travis at 850-435-9919. Office of Pensacola, but he'll come to you throughout the state, cases throughout. We'll jump along to the quarterback position. Um, I don't want to say a, a regression for, for Hornerbrook, but some real limitations were put on display and as you kind of referenced we can definitely uh write out of the collective talking points that Hornerbrooks needs to be the uh the choice because we know for a fact that he's going to get the ball out early and and uh maybe you know make better decisions with the ball some some scary tendencies to hold on to a ball uh for a guy that statistically has thrown a decent amount of interceptions who up until this point in time has has yet to do so yeah uh there are definitely interceptions coming for Hornerbrook if he continues to play like this. Uh, if Blackman's healthy, I, I think you probably should play Blackman. And there's look, there's going to be interceptions coming for Blackman too. Florida State is on a three-game uh, streak of no turnovers. This is not really a skill-based thing as much as people want to think it is. It's largely a luck-based thing. I don't think they're actually being much more careful with the football in these games. It's Again, turnovers have a really large luck component to them. Um, which is why I'm not as focused on FSU's defense creating turnovers as I am FSU's defense playing well, getting stops, putting opponents in bad down and distance, which actually can help you increase turnovers. So that's kind of one of the things that you do control. Um, I do wonder if you're going to see teams cheat a, l- a little bit with the wide side of the field against Hornerbrook because it does take take his ball longer to get out there. Uh, and I think if you're some teams, you're you're going to make kind of dare him to throw the ball over your head. Uh, in, in certain situations here. But if, if he does get the ball out quickly, then he could be an excellent passer in this offense against the teams who don't have the great athletes on, on defense. Because I, I do think his his propensity to make mistakes is probably lesser than Blackman is, but I also think his ceiling is much lower. And I go back to the last podcast, not the not the review pod, or the preview, but the, the review that we did of the Louisville game. And a lot of people disagreed with that show, but I think we were both in agreement that Blackman played a really good game against against Louisville and had some drops and, and some unfortunate stuff where he threw a really good ball instead of getting credit for it in stats. Uh, instead, it drew a pass interference penalty, which doesn't doesn't go in the quarterback stats, but but he, he played really well. Yeah, he played exceptionally well. Both quarterbacks gave you a, a real good effort, definitely. And Hornerbrook stuff was probably a little bit inflated because he had some dudes he was throwing to for wide the hell open, right? Like the um, some of the passes he made were great. Some of the passes he made, quite honestly, like you and I could throw because it's like a fifteen yard, you know, fifteen yard lollipop can get out there. Have we ever thrown football back and forth? I've never actually seen you throw. I don't think. I don't think so. I can. I can. Uh, I tore my rotator cuff as a uh, junior in high school, but I can still throw the ball pretty well. I used to be able to. Uh, compete in the punt pass and kick competition mainly because I could in my day I could spin it decently. So yay. Yay for yay for the talk. 
as I'm as I'm fond of reminding people, I used to throw a lot of touchdowns as a halfback because uh, when you run in the wishbone offense, the old halfback pass is about as explosive play as you have. So that's uh, middle school memories with Ingram here at ten o'clock on a uh, Tuesday evening. Oh, there are also two more turnover worthy plays I think that Hornerbrook had. The one is the pass that he completes to Trayshawn Harrison, where he's like getting dragged down and he just kind of chucks it up. Or, excuse me, Gavin. Like, that against a better defense is easily picked or incomplete, uh, potentially. And he also had the fumble. Yeah, the the Statue of Liberty play where he's just kind of holding the ball as he's uh, uh, sacked and ultimately gives the ball up. And I think Roberts is, is the one who jumps back on top of that. But, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. If the argument for playing Hornerbrook is that he gets rid of the ball more quickly and is more decisive and takes better care of the ball, that argument is more narrative-based than evidence-based through about six quarters of Hornerbrook. Fair? Like, he's not really shown it so far, except for about a 20-minute span in the Louisville game. Oh, very fair. I uh, was just watching the replay, and uh, I had the replay on as we do these reviews constantly, and on the play that is immediately after the fumble, uh, Hamza Nasruddin gets away with a, a wonderful little hold in the uh, punt formation. Otherwise, that's possibly blocked. So, uh, good on you, 23 there. Just ran across my – caught my eye for the first time. So, you want to move to the running back play and kind of give our weekly praise to Cam Akers at this point? Man, he runs hard. He hits the correct hole a very high percentage of the time. If he had better blocking, I think he could have like a 2,000-yard season. He's – I'd love to see him, like, if you're Wisconsin, what if you're like, hey, we'll give you Hornerbrook. Let, let us have Acres for a year. Wouldn't, wouldn't you want to see that? Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Cam Akers running behind a, a Wisconsin or an Oklahoma offensive line is a scary, scary idea. That, that'd be cool. Um, he's, he's really good. I think LeBourne actually missed a, uh, missed a hole on one of his early carries. If he... Now, I'm not totally sure on this, but I think if he presses the hole on the one that's coming out of the south end zone, uh, as opposed to trying to cut it back, he he might be able to hit that out the gate because there's really not a whole lot of lot of second level for him to uh, to have to get by. But it, it is a bit of a narrow hole he'd have to squeeze through. Yeah, uh, still like to see him get involved in the in the pass game if at all possible. But uh, you're just not going to take carries away from Acres. I like when they split him out there, uh, and he that was like a little like old school Marshall Falk type thing. Okay. Yeah, I, I I like this. Split him out and just have him, have him turn around, you know, throw throw a little little uh, little curl. Sweet, that works. Um, receiver wise, I like that they're getting Terry the uh, the ball on shorter stuff too, and allowing him to do some run after the catch. Like last year, he was pretty much just a deep threat, and uh, he also blocked better in this game. I saw some good effort <laughs> from Tamari and Terry blocking. Uh, we also like the blocking efforts out of Keith Gavin. That was really good. Um, I was overall fairly pleased with the receivers in this game, for the most part. Yeah, it was a nice uh, step up in consistency. I think it's either the first play or the first series. There's a there's a kind of Terry esque play where he's just staring into the backfield. I'm like, oh, oh that that's a, a bad starter. But on the whole, uh, much better day for him blocking. And yeah, he's just a, he's a dynamic, different level athlete at the college level. And uh, look, you want him running as many nine routes as possible preferably the ones that uh, landed in his hands are even better, but uh, a guy that you got to get involved in. And as we mentioned in the preview show last week, uh, the middle of NC State's defense is is about as weak of a spot as you're going to find on this schedule. And it, it doesn't come as any surprise to me that that's ultimately where Florida State uh, had a lot of its first success in getting guys involved in slants and, and Terry just kind of running through a ton of bad angles was uh, was a little bit uh, a little bit reflective of that. Absolutely. We already, I think on the instant reaction, we already gave on, on Terry Wilson his praise, but more praise for him. Very nice game. Um, played really hard, got open, caught the football, and uh, showed some athleticism. Maybe we haven't always seen out of him, like from an obvious standpoint. Uh, that, that, was, that was good to see, uh, for sure. And I, I would expect him to keep getting uh, more and more playing time. And I also thought Warren Thompson uh, had, a, had a nice catch, uh, some fancy footwork on that, uh, that little in and out route that he ran uh, on that drive that was going north. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice catch. Uh, 
Nice long throw from Hornerbrook and a good job, number 11, of bringing his feet down and bounce, as you mentioned. I think that's it on the receivers, probably. Oh, uh, can can Trey McKitty break a tackle, please? Yeah, yeah, it would be nice to see six run through a run through a tackle out there. Absolutely, a uh, lot of lot of opportunities for him to do it. If you're Browse, you got to be pulling your hair out. Like they they scheme him to where he's all he's got to do is just run over a corner or run through an arm tackle. Yeah, there's a couple times he gets brought down by, you know. Uh, not not exactly somebody getting lined up in the secondary and still able to bring him down. Uh, offensive line we already uh, discussed, so let's go ahead and move to the uh, to the defense. Let me ask you just real quickly, Bud, uh, about the offensive line. Is, is it not opinion that uh, we're best unit when fifty nines at left guard rather than seventy two? I'm not a seventy two fan. I mean, it's interesting. We go into these rotational patterns and. Uh, I mean, I, these guys know more about football than I do, and I, that's not some wise way of me saying, oh, no, they do. And so I'm sure there's a thought and plan for it, but I, I just at times I'm baffled by uh, some of the rotations that we do out there. And on the whole, I thought all of our offensive linemen right now are exceptionally limited, but 59 has, has been a fairly solid player throughout the year, at least at least in my opinion anyway. I, I totally agree. Um Look, I think 72 probably knows the offense, which is the veteran his cap, but he doesn't really move people, and athletically, he's kind of limited, you know? And I just, you, you hope to see less and less of 72, hopefully, throughout the rest of the year. All right, we uh, will transfer over to defense, but before we do so, let's thank our friends at uh, Madison Social and For the Table Restaurant Group. One of the reasons we were so excited to do the uh, Boise State kickoff party with them, and, and we mentioned this in some of the stuff, is that we were working with professionals, and that's absolutely what we mean. We are working with people who have the history and track record of uh, producing events where they cater for 500-plus people, uh, and Madison Social uh, slash for the table hospitality is able to do that for a work lunch, uh, catering of just about any opportunity. Uh, keep them in mind. And when we tell you about these people, we're not going to pair you with uh, some guy who just started there. If you want to work with them on the catering angle, uh, email Matt Thompson directly, just as we do. It's Matt at for the table hospitality.com. Uh, great guys to be able to just go up and enjoy a restaurant uh, meal Anytime, but a great opportunity to work with him from the catering side as well, and please do keep that in mind. Absolutely. All right, let's get into this defensive scheme here. Um, Florida State, look, NC State's not any good on offense. We should point that out here. Hockman's really not any good. Matt McKay, that was some of the worst 15 minutes of quarterbacking I've seen uh, with with all the dropping the snaps and then throwing screens into the dirt. Uh, It was kind of like the... You know that from uh, from office space, like what what would you say you do here? And you noticed when uh, when Hockman had to leave the game, McKay did not come back in. Yeah, no, it sounds like they. Uh, it sounds like that may be a a moment in time for that player. Some of the post conference uh, or post game comments from his coach makes it sound like uh, those two those two parties might be moving in a different direction. Yeah, they, they don't really have an answer there. Um, I thought Florida State got lucky that Bailey Hawkins got his foot stepped on early. It kind of set the tone there. And NC State otherwise certainly could have gone up. But there's no guarantee that Hawkman hits any kind of throw on that play either. Uh, I think NC State threw the ball too much. I don't know about you, but I was looking, I was watching this game. Like, why? They're having decent success running it. They would just be patient and stick with the run. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's what we talked about in the in the pregame show is a propensity to throw too much. And uh a team that might have real success if they try to run the ball and uh, opportunity where maybe they could keep Florida State's kind of our path for them to win the game was a team that maybe didn't throw it quite as much as they have previously, a team that embraced the run game. I know they did suffer one injury there, but they still had two other adequate backs. Um, a, a team that is a little bit too uh, a little bit too intrigued by putting the ball up in the air as, as frequently as they do. I would agree with you there, and it might have might have cost them a, a better chance at winning the game on Saturday because of it. Yeah, that was kind of silly. I thought um, I really I do like their receiver after watching that game, uh, Mecca Meze. That that dude's legit. We, I, we we discussed this in the preview, but he he's a real deal. That that guy's going to play on Sunday, and he would play a lot in Tallahassee if he was here. I think so. 
I want to discuss our run defense real quickly here, not in the context of this game, but just over the context of the whole season. There are some areas in which we can be happy to report Florida State is improved uh, in the last couple of games, but there's also some areas in which we think the improvement is either non-existent or like fake or misleading. So don't want to be negative Nancy here. Florida State defensively, uh, the one thing they've improved on a good bit is their explosive rush rate allowed. So back when their run fits were just total garbage, remember that? It was like three weeks ago. Um, they they were not very good at stopping any kind of run play. Uh, but now they are good at stopping explosive rushes. So what this tells me generally is that Florida State does have pretty good team speed and that they are not allowing guys to get these 20 and 30-yard rushes via just being totally misaligned, having multiple guys running into the same gap and, and having nobody there. So that's good. They're, they're 26 in the nation uh, as far as limiting explosive rushes. So I, I, I like that a lot. That's something you can hang your hat on as a defense. However, they're 104th in the nation at rushing success rate allowed. So while they are not allowing these long rushes, they are not actually doing a good job of stopping the run overall. NC State had a lot of these runs on first down of four, four yards, five yards. You know, and then they had a lot of these runs on second down where they would get like like second and six, they'd pick up four or five, right? Like th those are successful running plays. And that's not good enough for Florida State. Like FSU has got to get better at this. It, it, 104th nationally in rushing success rate allowed is very poor. Um, I mean, they're allowing over 45% of opponent rush plays uh, to be successful. And that's that's not going to, that's going to cost you games down the stretch, especially against teams which have a little bit better balance in terms of actually being good at passing, not just passing just to pass, like it seemed NC State was trying to do. Uh, and FSU is also 92nd in stuff rate, so stopping opponent runs for negative yards, 0, 1, or 2. Uh, so really not a good job. It seems like when teams rush against us on first down, they can pick up five yards, like five yards, four and a half, five yards, six yards, a lot of the time, and that's that's not a good thing. Yeah, so you pair this, and uh, kind of as I was rambling on at the beginning of the podcast, Florida State's gotten a lot better about giving up the easy plays, uh, still not having as much success in some of the standard downs and uh, stopping uh, opposing offense from kind of getting going. Um, Florida State's had a nice little uh, turn here where they've uh, looked far more competent in the last three games, uh, but I think it would also be unfair of us if we weren't to acknowledge that in the last three games, uh, Florida State's played a quarterback that can't kind of push your boundaries when it comes to uh, testing you and, and maybe exploiting a linebacker group that's not great in coverage. Uh, the last two games in particular, you've just dealt with quarterbacks that aren't of the level that uh, that you'll see moving forward. So a nice turnaround, and they've certainly found a footing to a, to a defense two games into it. Uh, look like it could be so bad that you could you could really be looking at a two or three win season at one point. Uh, so they have made some improvement, but uh, some reason for concern about maybe how the next set of games projects with uh, with the quarterbacks that you see and offenses that can maybe take advantage of some of your liabilities. Yeah, I, I have very little reason to believe that some of this defensive uh, improvement is sustainable. Um, Ingram, on standard downs, they're 115th in standard down success rate allowed. 115th. Now, they're 25th in standard down explosiveness allowed, which tells me they are still playing way too passive on early downs. They're not selling out to get tackles for loss and run stops nearly enough. And that's a problem because that means they they don't force enough long down and distance situations because they are not able to to get opponents into those situations. And the defense is much better in those situations, right? Like we we know that for a fact. That's they just they are. Most defenses are. But Florida State definitely is. Um and so what happens is you get a defense that although they were more physical in this game, they end up having to play on, on their heels on a larger percentage of downs than you would prefer, simply because they're having to worry about the run and the pass on downs where other teams because they, they, they basically took care of their business on early downs, 
they're not having to worry about the run potentially on third down because your average distance on a third down faced uh, is is a lot great or a lot less than it is for some other teams. So, yeah, a really poor job by this defense so far through five games, and and almost no improvement in this. By the way, I mean like they're not better at this. This is not getting better uh, of of being more aggressive, clamping down the coverage on early downs. It, it you got to give them credit for not allowing the explosiveness. That that is a big deal, but they're not creating enough long down and distance situations because of their consistent failures on standard downs. And that's that's my concern. Like you said, you just played the three worst passing quarterbacks you're going to face on the whole schedule, I think. Now, the Jaron Williams kid from Miami, when he does pass it, he's awesome. He holds the ball for forever and a day. Uh, but with Miami, like we discussed last show, Miami is tremendous offensively on standard downs and terrible on passing downs which might not matter against Florida State because Florida State does such a piss-poor job on standard downs defensively that it almost never forces teams into passing downs. And if you don't get Miami into passing downs, Miami can light you up too, despite the fact of how bad their offenses look this year. Um, another growing concern of mine, like I said, is the linebackers and coverage. I don't think that the quarterbacks you faced can exploit them, uh, but the quarterbacks you have on the schedule upcoming absolutely can. Um, one of the reasons why FSU is not good enough at stopping the run is because their linebackers are not very instinctive and they take too long to trigger and get downhill. They don't recognize fast enough. And so like Leonard Warner, for instance, he's more physical. Uh, and as far as like, he, he doesn't get just crushed when he goes up against a blocker, but he's always too late, right? He's about a yard or two too late to recognize what's happening and get there. So instead of meeting the opposing offensive lineman at the line of scrimmage or at one yard depth, he's meeting him at like three yards depth, right? Which by the time he gets off the, the block, all of a sudden the back has gained four yards on first down and you have second six or second five. In pass coverage, he's a liability and Jackson's a liability in pass coverage too. Neither of them are that athletic. They're, they're more thumper types. Uh, and we're going to face some teams coming up here that are really going to exploit Florida State in that. Like Wake Forest can absolutely make FSU look silly. And that Clemson has really struggled on that kind of stuff this year because Hunter Renfro graduated. They don't really have a tight end they like. Their main slot, who they're going to use towards ACL, and he's, he's just now coming back from that. And another one of their slots got hurt. So Clemson still has like multiple first-rounders on the outside, but their interior guys are not that good. But yet, I got a feeling when they face these linebackers in coverage, they may they may get healthy. I against FSU there, but I mean, Boston College can exploit it probably. I, I don't, I think Florida can probably exploit it. So I, I'm not buying in on this defensive improvement that much. Some, because there is legitimate improvement made. They're more physical overall and they're much more assignment sound now. They're not allowing the explosive plays to go along with the poor play on standard downs. But I mean, 115th on standard downs is, that's bad, man. That's that's real bad. My other concern here is um, is growing. You, you kind of a lack of pass rush off the edge, you know, like that, which is what our main concern was in the preseason. It was somewhat diminished as far as a concern earlier this year because Kendo was looking good. Now he's out for the year, and uh, obviously Robinson was was looking good. I think I, I think when he comes back, he'll still be very good. But like, who do you trust as a pass rusher off the edge right now? Is it going to be Gainer? Is, is he going to give you some some ed edge rushing? Because he looked okay in this game. You know, he made some nice plays. But there's there's a lot to be concerned about for this defense that I think has been hidden in the last three games simply because the opposing quarterbacks you played were not effective throwers. And I don't know if the, if like, are you worried about the sustainability of some of this stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah, I am. I, I think there's a been some improvement and you have some general buy-in to a broader responsibility. Uh, but I, I still have big concerns and I, I do have concerns with the uh, number of snaps, not that the defense is playing a time of possession talk, uh, but I have concerns about the number of snaps that you're putting on number 90, number 21 and number 15. Uh, there's, there's some, some years in the past uh, where we've done this historically and frequently you've been in for, uh, some nasty times in the the back half of the year. So 
need to develop a little bit more of a rotation there, if at all possible. And uh, I have con- concerns with how the uh, final three or four games of the season may play out if you've absolutely gassed your, your first line of defense. I, I'm right there with you. It'll be interesting to see how they look in the first half against Clemson without without Janarius too. Um, but yeah, like the drop off from your starters to your backups here is pretty substantial, and you're exactly right. Those big bodies can wear down over the course of the season, which is why you need the offense to uh, to to hopefully play a little bit better here after two consecutive games that were you know kind of up and down. Well, it was nice to have six minutes on Saturday where you were able to sit number twenty one. Uh, so that's a that's a a good thing, and maybe maybe something that we could strive for in, in future dates to not have to play. Uh, the entirety of the roster throughout the uh, throughout the entirety of the game, or at least be able to play entirety of roster. Uh, so, anything stand out to you? Defensive line that we didn't otherwise mention there, bud. Before we jump to the linebackers, I thought it was good to see McClendon getting some run. Um, so that was that was good. By the way, can I point out this defense is 111th in success rate allowed and 27th in explosiveness allowed overall. Again. And that's not just against rushing or passing. That's overall. Please be more aggressive. Take some chances. This is not good. This is like, great. You don't allow the big plays, but we want more possessions, right? We, we, we don't want less. And this, this split is not good, right? Good, good defenses don't play like this. Not unless you're like Iowa true on on the topic of defensive line rotation didn't think he had a great game but it is does look like Dennis Briggs is getting a little more comfortable taking snaps out there and maybe giving you a little bit more of meaningful contribution than I would have necessarily expected at the beginning of the year so I do want to give 58 credit for some of his play on Saturday night yeah there were some young guys in this game that like when you put them out there it was like oh god that's that's not going to work like he, he needs more more work but with Briggs, uh, his main issue was that he did not keep his shoulder square to the line of scrimmage at times. He, he allowed himself to be to be turned a little bit too easily pro- on run plays, probably because he was overeager, you know. Um, but I, I think that's that's something that can definitely be coached. Like that's a technique issue, and that that can be that can be coached out of him. And like Odell's a really good coach, so you know, like of the coaches on this defensive staff, I, I have the most confidence in Odell. Also, want to congratulate the defense, by the way. Uh, they cracked the top 80 nationally in defense, Edgar. So they're 78th. That's pretty solid in defensive SP+. Plus. They, uh, what were they? I think two weeks ago they were like 88th or 92nd or something like that. So that, that's like a 14 spots. Yeah. Hey, nice golf clap for the defense. Um, special teams rating has been dropping, though, uh, 78th as well. That, that's what happens when you shake punts and don't don't make field goals. You don't get the feeling that uh, maybe your head coach is eager to eager to embrace a change at that position, do you? Uh, realize this is breaking our order, but uh, Willie's Willie's press conference talk about Aguayo seems to be different than maybe any other player. I, I just uh, get a, a small chuckle out of that for whatever reason it may be. Grothaus might uh, he he may end up getting more run there. Um, so we already talked about Dontavious and Leonard Warner. I, I think if this defense is going to, uh, not regress in the second half of the season, they need to find a replacement for Leonard Warner. Um, he doesn't trigger fast enough to get downhill and in pass coverage, he's a pretty big liability. So if you can have a young guy step up, that would be great. Look, now I want to make it clear. He is better on the interior than he is on the outside. Uh, but that's not ideal. Like the, if, if I'm an opposing offensive coordinator watching this, I'm trying to pick on Warner. And I, I think I think teams who can throw the ball a little bit wet, a little bit better, uh, will do just that. Um, Josh Brown gets, continues to yeah you know, at least have contributing snaps and play at a better level than maybe we we could have anticipated. So good to see 51 get some some nice burn uh, in his final year. Gainer is. Uh, I'd say probably far and away the most natural athlete of the unit, just a guy that you can tell plays at a different level and pursues the ball, uh, plays with a level of fluidity that I'm not sure any other linebackers offer. Um, so uh, nice, you know, you can see some elements of progress from the linebacking group, but it's still um, it's still the, the kind of the liability that we maybe were afraid they were. Yeah, it's it's not a good linebacker group at this point. Uh, but I have some hope that maybe somebody will step up there. Uh, DB play, bud. 
Yeah, overall, I thought the defensive back play was was fairly solid. Most of the catches that were made over them, I thought, were uh, contested catches. So even if they did come down with the ball, it was generally uh, a, a tighter coverage, right? Like, do you remember any instances where, where guys were just wide open? They're not not many, uh, and that includes some of the shorter throws too, which were, uh, in general, I thought, uh, better contested. So that was that was good. Um, they had you had a little bit of issue in the middle again between the, the the backers and the safeties, but that's more of a communication thing, I think. And also, like your safeties are having to cover up for your backers, right? My my one concern here is you got to catch football. They they had opportunities to have two or three interceptions, like legitimately, and it just it didn't happen. Um, so. Look, passes defense are great, but Willie Taggart in his press conference said, yeah, I don't really want to lead the nation in passes defense, right? Like, we want to have interceptions. And uh, and they were not able to come down with those. That's, uh, I'm not sure I have anything else to contribute to the defense. Any any other comments you wanted to make before we uh, touch on special teams real briefly and move on out? Uh, just two things here. Number one, we've been doing this every week. Uh, I wanted to compare... Uh, Florida State's uh, rating last year to their rating this year. Last year, they were 71st in SP Plus overall, which is a you know, rating system. Uh, this year, 47th. So legitimate improvement. I don't think there's any doubt that this team uh, would, would be favored over last year's team by a good bit. By the way, the Westgate, uh, West Bay, or the Westgate Hotel and Casino is out with their updated Game of the Year lines. And Clemson, uh, last week this time, they were favored by 31.5 over Florida State. The line after Clemson's a little bit disappointing performance, obviously, against UNC, uh, or very disappointing, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, down to 27.5. So if you took it last week, you could get four, or you get four touchdowns, a field goal, and a half point uh, with, with FSU. Now you can only get about four touchdowns. I don't think it'll get back up to 30. And uh, I don't think it'll go under 24. If it goes under 24, you're going to have too many people laying, uh, laying the Tigers, in my opinion. I guess you touched on it in the instant. I was going to ask about the goals, but, uh, but you did cover those. So uh, anything else you want to mention? I think we're pretty good. I mean, we're almost at an hour. Uh, guys, if you want to give us five stars on iTunes, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, we have multiple shows planned for you this week, despite the fact that it's the bye week. Thanks for keeping us really high in the iTunes ratings and everything else, and, and for, uh, for the strong word of mouth uh, advertising that y'all do for us. We, we, we're picking up new listeners all the time. We just had our best uh, best September ever, and that's that's thanks to you, the listener. 